Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to a special episode of the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Seth, special how indeed. are you? I'm doing great. Yeah? I had a, like a terrifying thought for a second. Oh, no. That we, our mics weren't on. Oh. On our last episode that we recorded. They were on. I, was, I don't know why. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> are, we, are we fine? Do we have to do all that again? We do not. Uh, well, great. Uh, the reason we're coming at you this week. Coming at you. Coming at you. Like a, like a, like a, like a, like a she bear. Ooh. Like the prop, you know. Like, oh, yeah, I got yeah, it. Second got Kings it. reference. I'm, I'm Kings with you. Reference. Uh, it's because this is an election week in the States. And we're not really going to talk about the election, but we did. <laughs> Everyone just tuned off. <laughs> uh, but we you did. Th- <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. No, okay, we there you go. Yeah. Yes, we will. No, we won't. But yes, we will. You, you have to stay around you to, have to find stick out. Around to figure out. Uh, we've injected enough confusion to the introduction that people are just going to continue listening. This is a week out from the American election in tw- when we're recording this. When we're recording in twenty twenty, yes. and we'll release it after the election happens. So, yeah, so a new or same president will be in office, depending on write-in ballot but, or, uh, uh, or mail-in ballot. Yeah, we might even know. We might not even know. This election's up yep. in the air because of COVID. But what we wanted to do was to spend just a moment mm-hmm. and think about a new category of psalm, yes. the royal psalm. Yeah, or also sometimes known as the enthronement psalms. And it's a, a category of psalm that really just talks about the role of a king mm-hmm. in the nation yep. and the proper response to a king to the king of kings, God himself. That's right. And we just thought like, man, in a time of political transition where... Our kings, who are called presidents, mm. are shifting power, and we're all heavily invested, or not invested at all, <laughs> or t- entirely disillusioned with the process. Completely desensitized. Uh, <laughs> traumatized. <laughs> traumatized. by <laughs> the process. What is, how does the Bible think about kings, kings rulers, rulers, presidents, presidents yeah. uh, and <clears throat> their relationship to him? Yeah, so we decided to look at the paradigmatic um, royal psalm, which is Psalm Two, so which not far, not far into your psalter, uh, and it's interesting too. Psalm two, along with Psalm one, um, kind of take a little bit of preface to to explain because uh, most scholars agree that both Psalms one and two work together as distinct individual psalms, but they work together to form the preface for the entire Psalm book. They're the Psalm one and two are the introduction. That's right. That sets you up for all the major themes and expectations, yes. and the way in which you should read the other 140. That's right. Psalms. So in Psalm 1, we are mainly set up with the idea of the dichotomy between the wicked and the righteous, and that the righteous are blessed and the wicked are punished. This is a theme that is just all throughout the Psalms. And then Psalm 2 focuses in on God's sovereign rule over the entire world, which David and the other psalmists will constantly plead back to and, right. uh, and appeal for. God, please hear my prayer. Act. Deliver me. Be a shield. Be a fortress. They're appealing to God's 
kingship and his rule and reign over the world. But then there is another portion uh, within that theme that is specifically focused on what we would call the royal or the enthronement psalms, which have to do with God's earthly king, mm-hmm. namely King David, who God has promised would have a uh, eternal an, an eternal kingdom. Uh, someone from his line would always sit on the throne, and through him, the world would be blessed. The, 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 there would be peace and justice reigning on the world through a son of David. And so when David is lamenting that he is under attack and there's enemies on every side, we need to understand that it's not just the fact that David's feeling a little bent out of shape mm-hmm. or it's like, man, everyone's picking on me. No, he's actually uh, fighting and contending for the preservation of God's presence and reign on the throne of Jerusalem, which would bring blessing to the whole earth. If David dies, yes. Israel dies. Yeah, if there's no son of David who could rule righteously and not wickedly, what would happen to the promises of God? That's interesting. I've been writing a lot of psalms recently for, uh-huh. for our devos. Psalm yeah. devotionals. Uh, psalm devotionals. You're not writing new I'm psalms. Not writing <laughs> psalms. <laughs> <laughs> psalm devotionals. And like all of these imprecation psalms or these psalms where David's attacked and he's asking God to deliver to him. To punish the wicked. Punish the wicked yeah. or just save him or like, right. yeah, yeah, whatever it is. It's like, oh, these are personal. And at the end, there's normally some larger corporate, all of Israel sing with me. And I've always kind of like read that like, oh, we should we should pray like him. We should be like him. But I kind of forgot the fact that, oh, he's the king. Yeah. And if he dies, what's going to happen to Israel? Right. And so he's praying with the weight of a nation on his back. He's got national interests in mind. I, I forgot about that aspect yeah. of it. Now, one thing, especially while we're flagging this and releasing this during an election week to make sure that we name, is there is a gigantic difference between the kingdom of Israel during the time of David with the covenant of the one true God given to them to be a special elect people to rule as his representatives on earth and any other government ever. Ever. (laughs) Yes. So like, let's just be, David is not synonymous with the president of the US or the chancellor of Germany or the queen of England. Uh, It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Uh, why, Why is it not the same thing? Like, let's maybe answer that question. Yeah, I mean, you named it. It's like, yeah. these are this is sp- God made a covenant with David for a particular time with a particular people in a particular place in history. Yeah. And then when Jesus comes, we are told that he is king. Yeah. He sits enthroned. He's on the highest throne above every throne. Above all the earth. And so you could say, well, God's on the throne here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now Jesus just takes his place, <laughs> and, right? And like Jesus is on the throne and every other nation is kind of like, has a special relationship with the King of Kings. Like, no, Mm. that's not the way that the new covenant rejiggers our understanding of kingship. Right. It, uh, in one sense, democratizes kingship Mm. to everyone who lives in God's kingdoms. We are all kings and queens of our own personal spaces uh, under the rulership of King Jesus. Yes. So like the problem with reading in the a leader of a particular country as the anointed one of that country over a particular area of history or a particular geographical space is that that's not the way that God talks about rulers anymore. Mm. God appoints rulers, yep. Romans, 13, Romans 13, but they exist not as the primary way in which his covenant or his kingdom grows and expands. Right. It's through our activity as bearers of his spirit yes. that brings about his kingdom in right. the world. Right, and let's prove that through two quick references. Okay. The first is the Garden of Eden. When uh, when God planted the Garden of Eden and put Adam and Eve in it, the language that's used about their activity 
and the role that they're given as images of God, this is king language that the uh, yep. that the people of that time would have recognized. That oh, these are people ruling, having do- they're called they're said to have dominion over the earth. Yep, and and only kings have dominion, and they're given the image of the king, which like someone like Pharaoh would have said to be have been made in the image of Ra. And so, yeah. like, they are divine image bearers having dominion over the thing that God just created. And, like, so in Genesis 1 and 2, human beings are pictured as kings and queens, kings and queens having dominion on the earth. So that's, that's one way we're qualifying this. The other, which you're referencing also, is so that's kind of like a... Uh, what's a, what's another way to say like in an, the new an covenant? Anthropo- I want to say this is like an anthropological argument. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like yeah, anthropological or like you could call it like the original intent. Yeah, this, ontologically, like we are kings and queens, and from that's the, the way God intent. wanted us to be in the garden, yeah. and through Jesus, we are that again. Yes. Um, so, and what yeah. I'm getting to here is the Son of Man vision, right? In Daniel, you have okay. the throne and thrones. So what he, so what you're talking about is Daniel has this vision, uh-huh. and he sees. The Ancient of Days uh-huh. seated on his throne. Right. And then he also sees thousands of other thrones with nobody sitting on them. Right. Until people that have been trampled by a beast rise up from the ashes and of their the destruction. And the is another nation with another earthly king. So mm-hmm. this is political. Mm-hmm. Yep. And all those people who've been crushed by a particular nation are now seated with the ancient God of days with the ancient yep. of days in heaven which is exactly what paul will say yes we are seated with him in the heavenly places in the right hand so we are co-rulers with christ is yes. what we're saying here and this is biblical <laughs> like because so, it does seem a little like how dare you call us kings there's only one king yes there's only one king there's a king of kings but he has made us royal heirs we are yeah. brothers and sisters of jesus therefore we are at least princes and princesses you know yes. like in this in this monarchy anyway yes that's so, yeah, that's so what's that's, happening here. That is what how you should think about kingdom and yeah. kingship. And the way that you should think about rulers is kind of the way that Daniel talks about rulers. Mm. And Kings talks about rulers. Yes. And Paul talks about rulers. And the Bible talks about Bible, rulers. It's like they're under God's control. That's right. Which is exactly what we're about to read here. That's right. So uh, Psalm 2 opens, and it opens with this like, Oh, exasperated plea, maybe. You know, it's a, it's a rhetorical question. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his Messiah, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords from us. So David's asking rhetorical questions. Why are the nations raging? Why are they plotting? I think that word's meditate. Like, why are they meditating on ways yeah. to overthrow yeah. God? Uh, setting themselves, taking counsel together. So there's this there's this grand conspiracy on the world where world leaders get together and conspire about ways, meditate on ways, figure out ways to subvert God's rule. Yep. And the way that they do it is they say things like, let's burst their bonds apart and cast away the cords from us. One way to think about that is like, um, um, God's laws are restrictive. Mm. So I'm going to define them for myself, which is kind of what happened in Adam and Eve. You're like, oh, God said I can't eat from that tree. That's the one tree I want to eat from. (laughs) I'm going to cast that bond apart. I'm going to rip it out of his hands. I'm going to cast away that cord. I'm going to do what I want. So one way to think about that is like, why, like, why, God, do all the nations get together and plot ways to um, 
enact their own power over yours. Right. Why is that the way the world works? Yeah, and it's kind of like a lament, but it's also we're going to find out he's setting himself up for a kind of humorous response. But before we get there, uh, before we extrapolate, like, how do we in our nation's rage against God today, Mm -hmm. David was writing this in a very particular time. Like, um, I mean, David experienced his like sedition against his own throne like yeah. people his own son absalom actually did form a conspiracy and counseled together with others to form an overthrow of god's anointed mm-hmm. oh, right, right, his yeah. messiah yeah. when david says the lord's anointed he's talking about himself he yeah. is the anointed the messiah of god he's the chosen servant of god the anointed servant of god like this is this word anointed just goes back to when samuel like was told by God that David would be king, he poured oil on his head. He was yep. anointed. But that's the word Messiah, which yep. is then is then so, translated in Greek as Christ, which is Jesus' title. Yeah. And there's a time in David's life where Absalom, his son, yes. talks about his father's rule as restrictive. And yes. there's this whole conspiracy where he stands at the city gates like, oh, if only I was in charge, I would have done it differently. Mm-hmm. I would give you what mm-hmm. you want. And he says that to everybody who comes to him, gathers a whole bunch of army and starts attacking his father. That's right. And yeah. so what David sees sees this as though is this is not a political overthrow. This is a theological overthrow. Or if it's a, a political one, it's because there's a prior theologic, demonic, right. more like central like yeah. satan more is going on gar- here garden like t- uh yeah snake like thing conspiracy happening. happening yes yeah. uh and so what's really happening here and this is important um that when you um refuse to bend the knee to god's chosen servant you are in rebellion against god himself and like this is jesus is going to pick up on this in the new testament He's going to, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. If you believe in me, then you believe in the father. And it's like, Jesus is the anointed one of the Lord to whom all nations are supposed to bow. Yeah. And the ways that I think, uh, I see this play out is Mm -hmm. kind of the ways that I was talking about. It's like, oh no, we define good and evil for ourselves, just like Adam and Eve did. Right. We consider God's commands restrictive, so we don't want to do them. Uh, we plot together with others, form organizations build countries mm-hmm. around the idea of freedom from other powers. And yes, sometimes that's victims of oppression trying to flee right. and create a nation that's not oppressed anymore. But ultimately, freedom becomes a God that we serve at the expense of bowing the knee to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I think there's like, I think this is a particularly American problem where we, freedom is such a God that we refuse to have any other boundaries except the ones that we give ourselves. Yep. Um, we want to we want to burst any bonds and any cast bonds. away any cords. And this is true on both the left and the right in the oh, American definitely. political system. On the left, you have people wanting to burst the bonds of traditional family values, heteronormativity, of cultural uh, um, ideals about right and wrong. Yeah, throw those, out, are, those are too restrictive. Throw, those are too restrictive. But on the right, you said market forces need to be let run wild and people need to choose whatever they want for themselves. And they have no restrictions on the government or by any other societal force that they do what they want. That's people right. should live free with their guns forever. Right. And it's like, no, those are both idolatries of freedom that mm-hmm. both say I ha- should have no rules placed on me by a government or by society. Right. And they're both same forms of the demonic conspiracy that began in Genesis 3, yep. where they say, God's rules are restrictive. I deserve to live by one rule alone, my freedom. That's right. Yep. And David asked this 
ironic question. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? And the reason he's asking that question is he's like, because it's pointless. Why would you do that if you right. knew who God was, who the king actually the was? The rhetorical question is because you know the answer. You know the answer. Uh, it's like, um, I'm, try- I'm trying to come up with a metaphor right off the top of my head and it's really hard. But uh, it's like, it's like you know, why would you try to do something that's impossible? Yeah. Is kind of the idea here. Why are you trying to punch a wave? Like, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. Like, why would you do that? Like, why, are, <laughs> why do you box waves? Yeah. It's pointless. Yeah. They're going to keep coming. <laughs> you know, the tide is coming in no matter how fastidiously why you Why do you keep talking about freedom when God controls everything? Right, like, right, yeah. right. Yeah. And so God responds with the, David's uh, expected response here. He's uh, verse four of chapter two. Uh, he who sits in heaven, which stop there. Mm-hmm. That is a huge title of the king of kings. He, yeah. he doesn't sit on an earthly throne. He sits in the stars. Like, yeah. in, in, like he sits in heaven uh, above everything. All the conspiracies you've ever heard of, all the nations, all the plottings. Guess what? That's on the earth. Yeah. The one who sits in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, so he's sitting up there. Let me cast your gaze up there. And let me tell you what he does when he looks down at your plots and your schemes and, and your desire to control yourself and not bow the knee to a higher power. You know what he does? He laughs. God laughs at us when we try to create vain schemes that seek to rule ourselves instead of letting him rule us. God laughs. He thinks it's funny, but not like darkly funny, dark funny. This is not comedy because of the next line. It's the Lord Yahweh is the, or no, that's just the Lord. That's just the Lord. The yeah. Lord holds them in derision. So derision, it's like mocking, right? It's yeah. Like, um, yeah. To deride someone would be to yeah. mock them. Yeah. yeah, he holds them in derision. He he's con- he constantly knows that they're making a mockery of themselves. He sees that he sees a scheme for what it is. It's yeah, this is futile. What this you're is doing. futile. This is pointless. Yeah. What you're doing. So it's darkly hilarious. Right. Yeah. Um. And so that's that's what's happening. And this this is the dichotomy that we need to see here is the schemes of man. And like think about when you're in a scheme, like when you're yeah. when like when a political party is is planning like how they're going to take over government power you know yeah. and they've they've got all their advisors and they've got, got everything lined dollars, up they got whatever billions, they yeah they've got everything um god looks and they they think they are in control and they've got it all figured out and they've got all the chips yeah god looks down at that and sees it for what what it is and just knows it's a mockery and it's yeah. a sham and that they're punching the waves trying to stop the tide from coming in <laughs> like yeah which is a better metaphor than there I thought. Go. It's not bad. Yeah, punching the punching the waves trying to stop the tide. Yeah, it's, it's pointless. I'm going <laughs> to laugh at that. I mean, I'm going to feel sad for you because right. it's you're exhausting yourself for nothing. Um, and so then, uh, it's like, man, it's like it's crazy. Just like the exhaustion I feel yes, checking the news, right? Where both sides are fighting so hard for their version of freedom, mm-hmm. and putting so many chips in on one appointee or one politician. And it's just exhausting to experience it. God sitting in the throne, not bothered by it, but darkly laughing at the futility of yes. placing all your hopes and things like right. that. And yeah, right. Not that they're not significant, but that they're not ultimate. They're not ultimate. Yeah. Yep. And they're not and and they're and they are insignificant in their own value insofar as they are not aligned with the king's value. Meaning like whenever we build a government based on 
our conception of freedom rather than bending the knee to Jesus. Yes. It's it's an insignificant move because it's going to fail. It's going to fail. Yeah. That's right. Now, when you build structures that are in line with the kingdom of God, it's good. Yes. Yes. Uh, but those who refuse to bend the knee and, and try to cast that off of them, mm-hmm. yeah, it is futile and God's laughing. So this is, then God responds. God speaks. So he, he laughs. He holds them for the, the mockers that they are and the, the, the wave punchers that they are. And then he, he speaks and he says that he's going to um, speak to them in his wrath and he's going to terrify them with fury. And you would expect the words out of his mouth to, to be like, so here comes fire and brimstone or something right, like yeah, that. Yeah, Instead, what... he says this. He says, as for me, like, which is just an interesting statement where he's like, okay, you know where I'm casting my vote? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. who God's voting for? Like, this is yeah. like, who is God voting for in 2020? <laughs> as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. This is a reference to Jerusalem. And the temple. So is he saying, is he talking about David there? He is talking about David. So he, he absolutely is talking about David here. So David, David's asking rhetorically, God, why did the nations raise? Like, yeah. My, you know, you've already, or, you've already told me that I'm the eternal king. Yeah. yeah. Or someone from my line will be the eternal king. And then God laughs like, you're right. I've set you on the throne. Yeah. So whatever they do is going to fail because a king of David will rule for forever. Hmm. And okay. so like, and so that's, that's the joke. So, what's kind of funny there too, is like God's confidence in David. Oh, right. I think, but I think it's God's confidence in himself. Yes. yes. Yeah. Cause he's like, I know, I know that your great, 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 great grandson is going to be Jesus. Yeah. And that's the King God has his eye to, you know, that's the, that's the Zion. Yes. And that's because whenever you hear Zion too, it, it's, it's, it is a little bit less. There's a lot of scholarship around this, but there, it's a little bit less of the geography when it's talking about Zion. And it's more about uh, going back to that garden temple of it's like, it's a more holy, like theologically idealized loaded. version okay. of Jerusalem. Um, so as for me, I've set my King on Zion, my holy hill. Yes. And so that is God's what's interesting, though, that I want to try to unpack here is why is that response God's wrath and fury? I was thinking about the same thing. Yeah. It's like, well, it's kind of unexpected that like, OK, here's how I'm going to terrify you. Gonna, I have my own put, king. <laughs> yeah, I'm my own king. I'm going to put my ruler where he belongs. Right. Like, it's like, goes, how's that wrathful? What's like, what's going on there? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's I interesting. mean, I guess if I, I mean, it's just, like, why? Jesus, when he's crucified, mm-hmm. like he's crucified under the pretense that he's the king of the Jews mm-hmm. and he's a threat to Roman power. Right. Right. When you have a rival king, that's terrifying. Yes. There's reasons why Rome killed revolutionaries. That's right. Because it's a threat to their power. Yes. And so what's, I guess, the reason why he laughs here is like, I'm going to sit in the heavens and I'm going to set up a rival king mm-hmm. and he's going to sit on a throne above you. Yep. And that should terrify That's right. us because it would be kind of like the equivalent of, I don't know, Lesotho in South Africa, that little coin. <laughs> Your favorite. <laughs> but, for our diehard podcast <laughs> listeners who actually listen to the Land Allotment podcast, this is, uh, this, this, is, is, this is for you. There's a tiny little country <laughs> surrounded by South Africa called Lesotho. And if America was to just now announce, 
we're going to war against Lesotho, they would be rightfully terrified (laughs) because there's nothing they can do to stop that power. Right. Not really. Right. So like in in this case, let's say he is talking about Absalom here. Yeah. You've got this tiny little David's son, snot-nosed kid trying to foment a little rebellion and take over. And then God comes to him and says, oh, um, actually, I have my own king that's coming and he's going to come and take that throne from you. That would sound furious and wrathful and yeah. terrifying. Can I ask a question about Mount Zion? Oh, yes. Is Mount Zion, I just thought I saw kind of the combination of like the throne in Jerusalem and Mount Sinai in the wilderness. Oh, man. It's like there's like this conflation of like God's presence, thunder, lightning, right. voice, terrifying. Mountain, yeah, yeah. I mean, a little bit. Mountain, the, the, the reason mountain is significant is because on the tops of mountains are in the ancient Near Eastern mind where heaven and earth met. Or could meet because they were right. a high place that were closer to the heavens. That still happens today. You yes, go, you go to. And so the yeah. reason why Mount Zion is interesting is because it is a place where God and man could be together. And yes, it's a terrifying thing to be in God's presence. And so for God to set His king on top of a mountain—that's thundering. That's thundering. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I think I think that is interesting. Okay, cool. um, but I, I just want to close a loop just because I don't know if the the rest of the text will lead us back to it. Okay. I just want to name this because I think it's beautiful that. When God finally sets up his final king in Jesus, right? And he and he he says, let me speak to the world and all of you who have rebelled against me and my rule over the world. Let me speak to you with fury and wrath. Here's my son, Jesus. Hmm. And he bears my fury and wrath on the cross to be raised from the dead as king of kings. Like you have two things happening there now. One is we can see that God has spoken finally in his wrath. It is finished on the cross. And now the wrath that we deserve as people who have fomented rebellion against Jesus and against God's anointed are now, now can bend the knee and be in his kingdom as, as like loving servants. But it also is the resurrected Christ who has borne judgment for those who bend the knee to him. Now he rules and reigns with a rod of iron and he will come back to bring judgment against those who do not bend the knee. Like, Yeah, it also makes me think about the unique way in which Jesus's kingship like makes me want to shut up. Mm. Because like, okay, I recognize in myself that desire to burst all bonds. To be ruler. To be ruler, to be king, to be God in my own life and to have nobody tell me anything ever. Yeah. Um, I recognize that in myself. And then I have a king that God is enthroning and the king's active enthronement is to actually submit to his father's desires, not act on his own freedom to die as a somebody not free. Yeah. He doesn't burst his bonds apart. He He takes bonds on. He like, he constrains himself to the will of the father. Yeah. And then when he constrains himself to God's bonds, he dies constrained by the cords of death, which is how Peter describes them in his sermon in Acts two. And then they were not able to hold him because he constrained himself to God and he was resurrected and sit at the right hand. Like, Mm. man, like God, I think my best life is found it's in cordless. having is cordless, <laughs> right? Like yeah. it's a wireless, it's a wireless, wireless life, life. <laughs> wireless, cordless, boundless, freedom filled life. life. And when I see Jesus refusing that paradigm and then being seated 
in power despite refusing that paradigm, it makes me think, okay, maybe what I'm doing really is as counterintuitive as God is laughing at. Like God's <laughs> saying it's futile. Yeah. And then I watch Jesus refuse to be free, constrain himself and then be seen in the power of like, oh yeah, what I'm doing is entirely futile. Yeah. I am trying to push back the tide by punching the waves. Right. Like, when, if you would have just gone and sat on the beach, the, the tide would have come in. The tide, yeah, it's like, <laughs> and I could have enjoyed it for what it yeah, was. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah and, I mean, you're, what you're talking about here is the huge um, message of Jesus that he brought that the world doesn't operate the way you think it operates. The world operates upside down, that the last shall be first and that the servants shall rule. Mm-hmm. The people at the bottom of the totem pole will be brought to the top. What does God's kingdom look like? All of these things. All of these things. None of yep. the things that you expect. It's a mustard seed. It's a little bit of leaven. It's all those things. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. how God... And so maybe that's a good spot to just say... Like God's kingdom, which this is a kingdom text, God's kingdom does not operate the way we think it does because we think it operates on holding all the cards, sitting in the highest places of power, owning all the seats in Congress, being able to control the ballot box, you know, like Mm -hmm. being able to have the, the biggest and most successful campaign ads. Like that's how we think power is earned Mm -hmm. and, and how things happen and how kingdoms are built and how, and how freedom is one, you know? Right. But no, like the people in this world who are humbly following Jesus and washing feet and serving their neighbor and loving and being like, like just like right. normal, humble people, yeah. they are doing more than Trump or Biden ever will yeah. in the kingdom of God. That sounds like really good news to me right now <laughs> for some reason. Like yeah. really, really good news to me. Yeah. The kingdom of God's better than the kingdom of America. Amen. Like it's hands down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I, I feel like I want to keep meditating on that, but we, we should, need to move on. We need to move on. Verse seven says, I will tell of the decree. So is this, this is Dave, still, this is think, God talking or David talking. This is David talking. And he said, I, he's telling the decree. He says, the Lord said to me. So he's going to okay. tell the decree that the Lord said to him. So he's so, about to quote God. So God's decree is you are my anointed son. Yep. And I'm setting you on my holy hill with messianic expectations. And then yep. David is going out and speaking yep. on his day of enthronement. Yep. Because it's an enthronement Let me, let me tell what God said about me. And now, let me tell you what God said about me. You are my son. Wow. That's crazy. I feel like that language in Christianity, even for me, I just glaze over so quickly that it's like, oh, the son of God or we're sons, you know, we are the sons and the daughters. Okay. There's even a worship band called sons, all sons and daughters. You know, it's like, you know, it's just like, oh yeah. Okay. I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. It's like, well, hold on a second. You are a son (laughs) of the God who sits enthroned in clouds and lightning and thunder who sits in the heavens. Yeah. You. But yeah, let's again, let's, let's reflect on Absalom. Yes. Absalom was like, I'm a son of David. Mm. David had these promises made to him. My dad's a big shot. You know, like I've got some clout. Let me go ahead and take this throne and expedite this mission to have Israel be stronger. Let's do this. And then, and then he's like, no, no, no. I know you're a son of David, but David's a son of God. It's like, whoa, let me sit back on my heavenly throne and laugh a little bit more because that is punching waves again. That's, that's really good. Yeah. I like that. Um, And then he says, so you are my son. Today I have birthed you or begotten you. I haven't heard that before. What? 
I've begotten you. I've begotten. I'm just joking. I've never heard the begotten son language you are before. My son. Yeah, I don't that get that. Sound yeah. Like Jesus. So, I mean, this is this is extremely interesting. Um, that number one, this idea of today um, has led a lot of scholars to say that, like, either they 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 always take it one or two ways. One is this must be pointing forward because David did, could not see himself as this begotten son of God. Right. Uh, and so it must be prophetic, which David's called a prophet in the New Testament. And like, that's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, and it definitely is pointing to that. Because the New Testament quotes this verse. And that's right. Uses about Jesus. Yes. But yes. also like David was, I think, according to this verse, considered to be an adopted son of God. And like that when he took the throne and put on the mantle of king, he was born into the line of God's like royal lineage yeah uh and like became a royal son of god yeah the day he became king was his adoption ceremony that's right he was a son of jesse but then whenever he was coronated he became a son of god because he was made king of israel yeah i mean we talk about that the opposite way on on this side of jesus we Mm. say like we are adopted into god's family yep and because god is king we are his princes and princesses you know right that's that's pretty normal to talk about it that way but yeah that's really it's a really powerful moment where God adopts us. Yeah. And in the moment that we are, I like, I kind of want to know, like, are we crowned king and then he adopts us or are we adopted and crowned king? Oh, but no, right. The point is, yeah. at that one moment, the moment that we're adopted is the moment we're king. Yeah. Something else we need to reflect on as we are talking about enthronement psalms and in, in royal lineages with sonship language or daughtership language coming mm-hmm. up here um, is the fact that we need to just remember just because, especially for us in, you know, the week of November 3rd, thinking about a democratic election, mm-hmm. we don't think about the handover of power being genealogical. That, yeah. you know, the, the throne goes to the sun. This isn't Wakanda. <laughs> this is not. Yeah. Uh, if only. <laughs> if only it was Wakanda. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, and so for for God. I. To be M'baku. the one. Mbaku. <laughs> leader. Of the Jabali tribe. Okay, anyway. <laughs> we are showing our nerd hand a little too heavily. Um, anyway, for God, the king of heaven, right? The king of heaven who sits in heaven. His throne is in heaven. I, I mean, I need you to, to catch this. Yeah. He says, okay, I have now begotten a son. Okay, wait, the king of heaven begat a son. So he will rule next. And he says, yes, I've established my king. He's going to rule on my holy hill. I have a son who will rule in my place. The, the kingdom of heaven, the throne of heaven has a genealogical lineage. It has a descendant. And it's like, it's David. And yeah. he's like, you sit on heaven's throne. You sit on my throne. Like, whoa. Like, it's pretty crazy. That's so intense. Um, and so then, so like, let's. It also like expands it again away from Absalom versus David. Yes, it does. It, 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 it brings it back to the garden. No, no, no. We're fighting the powers of darkness. That's right. We're fighting the, the conspiracy that lied to Eve that said she was more free when she did her own thing rather than following mine. Mm-hmm. No, I've set you on my heavenly throat to do battle with the forces of darkness to say they know better than <laughs> they say yep. no better. Yeah. Yep. And so let's use that then to reflect on this often misunderstood or difficult to understand um, language about Jesus being the begotten Son of God. So, like, so one of the creeds in 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 Christianity is that Jesus is the Son of God, begotten, not made. Mm-hmm. So, like, for, was David created at the moment of his coronation? 
No. No, of course not. So to say that Jesus is the begotten son in the in the biblical mind does not mean that he was created as the son. I mean, begotten does mean like birth in most circumstances. Yes, but it can also clearly here be yeah. metaphorical yes. to mean something else. And uh, and so anyway, so let's think about this, that, that, that God sits in heaven on heaven's throne above every throne and that he has begotten a son, that he has named an heir to his throne. And who is it going to be? Well, David died and the throne was empty. Jerusalem went in ruin and exile and no king was on the throne through the rest of the Old Testament. And so when Jesus comes and claims to be the son of God, mm. right? Right. He's saying the throne of heaven, the throne above all thrones and all presidents is mine. And yeah. I am the heir apparent <laughs> to God's throne. Yeah. And he's claiming to be the heir, the son that God has begotten that will rule forever mm. over everything. And his death and resurrection prove that. So anyway, I just think like that adds some yeah. context and flesh to it that does. idea. It does. For and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And it's also like in the same way in which David was begotten by God, it makes a little bit more sense. The virgin birth makes a little bit more sense to me too. Mm. It's like Jesus was begotten. Like there's a physical embryo somewhere right. that is from God. Right. So, oh, this has happened already in biblical history right. in, in a different way, mm. but not really. It's like God begot David Today, yep. in a particular moment in history, you are my son. And then Jesus, too, was begotten in the womb of Mary. It's right, like, oh, by that, the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. Like, that has actually happened in biblical history before. Yeah. And it's not crazy to think about that. Yep. So then the father comes to the son, and he uh, says, hey, ask me for something. Which is something king benevolent kings do throughout the Bible. Mm-hmm. Ask me of anything. Up to half my kingdom. Yes. <laughs> to use biblical language. And he's asked me of anything. And you I, know what? And I in fact I'll make all the nations of the earth your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. So this is a huge biblical thread that the Psalm is pulling on here. Because the the original mission of the Garden of Eden was to expand and cover the whole earth. And the whole point of the world, why does the earth exist and why do people exist? It was so that the world would be covered with the image of God so that his presence would be like filling the earth like it filled the temple, but the whole earth would be his temple. And like when Habakkuk reflects on this, uh, one of the minor prophets, he says that the the glory of God one day will come down on the earth and will cover the world as water covers the sea. Yeah, there it's the... Um... Yeah, I don't think I've read that before as going back to Genesis yeah. or even forward to the Great Commission where mm-hmm. Jesus tells his disciples, go into all the earth and preach the gospel. It's like, oh no, when he's saying, I'll make you the, the nations, your heritage and the ends of the earth, your possession. He's not saying, David, you'll be the dictator of the world. Oh, right. Like, which is kind of the way I've, I think I've tended yeah. to read it. You will be king of kings. Yeah. yeah. No, he's saying like, no, what we started in the garden <laughs> will finally come to pass. I will be king over the whole world. My presence will dwell with all people and I'm going to use you to do it. Yes. Any enemy who rejects the kingship of God will be destroyed. He'll break them with a rod of iron and dash them like a potter's vessel. It made me, that verse made me think of like, no weapon formed against you will prosper mm. in the like later on in the yeah, Psalms. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, but you're right. When, when, when a king, when the final king of David sits on his throne, 
the earth will be his inheritance. I mean, this is what um, Paul looks forward to when he reflects on the second coming of Jesus in Philippians 2. He says, at the return of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Every knee, Biden's knee and Trump's knee, will (laughs) both bow to King Jesus. And Seth's knee and David's knee, both of our knees will bow to Jesus. He will rule the whole earth. Um, And in order for that to happen... Uh, there, there seems to be like a fate that now, now we're going to, we're going to, we're going to see two different fates now at that Wait, moment. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Yep. Are you going to verse 10? I'm going to nine. Oh, next. verse nine. Yes. Okay. Well then continue. Okay. That's where I wanted yes. To go. So nine is for those who do not bow. They do not bend the knee to Jesus. Continue to want freedom over fealty yep. to the Lord. They've come, they, they continue to want to rule themselves and set themselves up against the Lord and his anointed. It says, verse nine says, you shall break them with a rod of iron, which was like what a king ruled with. Conceptor. Conceptor. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Like think about a, the vase in your mom's hallway, you know, or whatever. <laughs> like yeah. you take that up and you throw it down and it just breaks everywhere. That's how easily the king will be able to break a, a, an empire like America or China. He'll just yeah. be able to pick it up like a vase and throw it on the ground and it'll shatter. Yeah. That's how strong this king will be. It'll be like us versus that little country in Lesotho. I feel like that one listener in Lesotho is going to be like, man, they really pick on us. Guys, we love we you. We love you. I've never been there, but I hope to love I you hope one to day. I love you one day. <laughs> I'll enjoy South Africa when I was there. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, but yes, that's so like there, there's, there is this, and I think this is, this is another really important theme in the Psalms of a judgment of the wicked is an extremely common theme in the Psalms. And again, like I want to keep redefining wicked, not as like those bad people out there, but as people who would prefer to not constrain themselves to God. Mm -hmm. People who want to rule themselves, define good and evil for themselves, express their freedoms either through government or through their culture, like will not last. Right. Personal freedoms will one day shatter under the scepter of King Jesus. Yes. And so like, that's why people who are living humble lives in submission to Jesus right now, being slaves to Christ, who you might not, no one knows about, you know, people don't know about these people, Yeah, but they're not the ones on political ads. You know, they're the yeah. ones who are just being humble servants of Jesus in the world. That's why they are actually kings because they're sitting under that scepter already. Mm-hmm. God is going to bring Yes. Uh, seditious rulers under his yeah. rod of iron through punishment yeah. one day. But right now, those who live under that rod now, they experience as a light yoke and like yep. an easy burden because we're just serving a really good king. Yeah. Those people who bow the knee now are actually seated in heavenly places. Yeah. Oh, it's, that's the backwards kingdom. Yes. If you bend the knee now, you're a king. If you're a king now, you will bend the knee. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 the message yeah, of Psalm that's two. Good. <laughs> okay, so then verse ten is a plea to those kings. So he's offered you a warning, kings. So like, if 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 um if the so this if, is a, if the this, most if the most unknown thing happened, if the most insane thing happened, and and Trump or Biden were listening to this, yeah, the, this most, podcast, insane the most insane thing, thing <laughs> this would be uh, David's words so to them. Let me ask a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we get there. Um, so this song would have been sung on the day David became king. His it's like his coronation song. Right? Yeah, it could it could have been. It could have been. Yep. Or any king in Israel might have sung this yes. at some point yep. in time. That's why they're called enthronement psalms. So the idea then is 
the people of Israel, or at least a choir, is singing this over the people of Israel. And at the end of verse 9, the, it's like, either you will bow the knee and be exalted, yes. or you will exalt yourself and you're, you You'll will bow. Yep. And then the song kind of ends, and then the king looks out with his people over the rest of the world yes. from the top of Mount Zion. Yes. And he's saying, now therefore, O kings of the yes. earth. Yes, and this like, is what I would want to whisper to any elect, uh, elected official. Be wise. <laughs> <It> says, <laughs> be now therefore, O kings, be wise and be warned, O rulers of earth. And here's how you can be wise, rulers of earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Fear the Lord. Rejoice. How? What does that look like? That all feels like really ambiguous language. And the answer comes in verse 12. And it's kind of, but it's 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 a metaphor. Yeah. So get ready. It says, kiss the sun. So who's the sun? We've already been told. We've been introduced to the sun already, mm-hmm. right? God says, you are my son, David. Today I have begotten you. Well, now we know the eternal son of 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 God is Jesus, King Jesus. Mm-hmm. And to kiss the sun is language used. If, if you've kind of ever seen like a an old medieval kind of movie or show and someone comes up to a king and he holds out his ring to them and they kiss the ring. In Robin Hood when he kisses Oh, the and, ring, he and he sucks it off. He sucks all the jewels, <laughs> all the jewels off. off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's not this kind of kissing. That was duplicitous yeah. kissing. This one is, it's a sign of loyalty, allegiance, fealty to the king. Um, and it's a little humiliating right. for the person. I've even seen like some depictions of the ceremony where they, they kiss the king's feet. Yes. I've seen that like, yep. depicted. I don't know how historically sure. accurate that yes. is. But the idea here is yeah. that you would kiss the ring. And this is a sign that you are pledging allegiance and bending the knee and humbling yourself before the king that's on the throne. And so what does it look like for a king to be wise? What does it look like for a president to, 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 to rule rightly? What does it look like to serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling? It looks like naming Jesus and actually living as if Jesus is your king, bowing before him, constraining yourself to his law and his rule and his reign, letting his cords of what is right and what is wrong be wrapped around your hands and around your tongue and around your feet to go where he goes and say what he wants you to say, to to live like him, to be his disciple. Like that's what it looks like to kiss the sun. I also just love the image of the word kiss. Yeah, it's It's not bow. Nope. Which I would have expected. Yes. Bow to the sun. Right. Kiss the sun. Yeah, it's intimate. It makes me rethink Judas's kiss. Mm-hmm. He, he kissed the sun. He kissed the sun. Yeah. But it was, that, a, it was that a Robin was, Hood that was kiss the Robin. betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, um, it's like, it's intimate. It is intimate. It, um, I, mean, I think only, only high up officials would actually perform this ceremony. You're not going to have pe- every single citizen in Israel come and one by one kiss David's ring. It's yeah. not going to be. These are the. These are his his circle, you know. Those the thrones yeah. around his throne, you know, yeah. like, like like we talked about earlier. Anyway, and it's. I mean, it's also like he's speaking to the other nations. I would expect right the people in his kingdom to come. Yeah, he's saying, King of Babylon, King of Assyria, you know, come and bow before me. So like. In that same way, Jesus in his kingdom, the church, right? Let me let me go here. Yeah. Jesus in his kingdom, the church, is this little kingdom in the world right now. You know, mm-hmm. the, the true church, you know, I'm not talking about like these huge denominations. Or, or your church. Or your <laughs> church. Or I'm just talking about the living bride of Christ embedded all around the world. You know, yeah. um, they we, we are saying 
right now, as a representative of uh, the church, I'm saying to Trump and Biden and every other world leader and superpower with nuclear weapons, I'm saying bow before Jesus right now. Yeah, That's what David's saying. Kiss the son. You better come and kiss Jesus's ring. Yeah. You better bow. Because if you don't, the next verse, or is in the same verse, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Like, if you don't bow, the king will yeah. rule over you with a, a rod of iron. But blessed yes. are all who take refuge in him. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can take political asylum <laughs> in yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Like, we are... Even as we're embedded in these nations, you know, with a lot more tumultuous elections and political tumult yeah. than we are experiencing right now, we, as people who are submitting to Jesus, rest under his rod of iron. Like, we are protected. We take refuge in oh, him. Oh, yeah, the scepter is protecting us. That's right. So when you think, like, think about it like when, when, you, when you get in trouble in a foreign nation and you run to your embassy. Yep. And you're protected. You take refuge in the embassy. We can take refuge in the embassy of the kingdom of God in whatever nation we're planted in because we kiss the sun. Our allegiance is to him. So no matter what that country does to us, we are safe in the kingdom of God and under his rod. So that's like really good news. It's really good news. Yeah. Um, what are you thinking? I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I don't know. You don't know. I, it's like, I love, I want to keep thinking about kissing <laughs> feeling very romantic today uh, uh, i feel real romantic today it is an election week yes um, it's a romanticized time in america <laughs> romanticized time in america um i also just had like a question his wrath is quickly kindled mm -hmm. i thought god was slow to anger yeah and abounding in steadfast love and mercy um so well, and i think I, uh, yeah. I was going to process okay you can answer the question but i, I was like i think what's happening here mm -hmm is that, well, God has been slow to anger on this point already. Yes. It's like Adam and Eve began a, a history's long rebellion mm -hmm. in which people chose their own power, chose to exalt themselves, to raise themselves up, to be the, their own kings instead of bowing to God. Right. He's been long suffering with humanity for a long time. And like in this kingship, mm -hmm. he's over it. <laughs> he's over it. <laughs> he's yeah. like, like there's like yes. this it's it the time has come for those who act like their own kings and refuse to bow to the king of kings to be done away with. Yes. Is that one way to think about it? it? Yeah, I think so. But I think the easier way to think yeah. about it is there's a difference between God's wrath being quickly kindled, where sin always makes God angry. Another Psalm will say that God experiences indignation towards sin every single moment of every single day. God is always wrathful against sin. It's quickly kindled. Yeah. Like when you see something horrible happen in the world, mm -hmm. if I had to tell it to you five times before it actually made you dissatisfied with it, right. you would not be a very kind or good person. But God's yeah. wrath is quickly kindled against evil, but he's slow to anger. He's slow to act on it. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference between God feeling wrath and indignation towards sin in a moment like, and his long suffering, long forbearing, slow to anger self where he mm -hmm. actually finally acts on it. I like that. And if we're going to talk about how can God be uh, have quickly kindled wrath uh, for those who don't bow to to His Son, uh, but also bless those who do, it's like this weird like God has like these two very dichotomous actions. Yeah. Those converge at the cross, 
right? Yeah. They converge whenever because, the sun is enthroned. And what is Paul? And Paul says it. He's like, he has been long-suffering. He has yes. been like holding our transgressions. He hasn't been hold, holding us accountable the way that he should have That's been. That's right. He passed. Oh, so you're, you're referencing Romans 3. Yes. So he left former sins unpunished is what Paul says in Romans 3. So that at the fullness of time on the cross, Jesus could be both just and justifier for the one who believes. God had had his anger kindled. Yes. Like sparks had Over and over. It was burning. Over. Burn. He was mad at sin. But he didn't let the fire start. No. He was slow to anger. Until Jesus takes the throne. That's right. And when Jesus takes the throne... Of his cross, we're talking about. Of his cross. Yes. The burning anger, yep. the cup of God's wrath, yep. however you want to talk about mm-hmm. it, is extinguished. Yes. It's exhausted on Jesus, the willing sir, the willing king. Yeah. Who allowed himself to be bound under God's will, like you talked about earlier. Yeah. That's right. And so that's how... And, and like that's what a good king does. He dies for his people. Yeah. Like that is not the kind of leadership we see right now. Yeah. In anywhere. Anywhere. We just finished the Nehemiah podcast not long ago. Yeah. About how Nehemiah at the very end of his life looks out over Israel and sees all the good that they had done undone. And he prays for his people. God, remember my faithfulness and don't count their sin against them. Mm. And it's, it's the same picture that we have here. This good king who dies for his people. Yeah. And he says, don't let my people suffer for their mistakes. I'll suffer for them instead. That's right. I'll go to battle for them. Yep. And so just two other things I want to name. One, Jesus was proven as king in his resurrection. Uh, if you are if you really wanting to dive into this, I encourage you to just read through Acts and marvel at how the gospel is preached because it's often preached in two ways. One, they're connected. It's two points, really. That one is Jesus is the son of David that God promised. And two, we know that because he rose from the dead. And so because Jesus is raised, he sat on the highest throne. We know that. Therefore, all the promises of God are yes and amen in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like that's one. And, and that throne that Jesus now sits on, this is the other part, is coming to earth. It is going to not just be the the God who sits in heaven laughs. That God who sits in heaven, that Jesus who sits enthroned above every other throne, that throne is going to come to earth Mm. and it's going to dwell with us forever. And as we've said before, like this is like the evangelistic portion of this podcast. Like if you bow the knee now, you will rule then. If you try to rule now, you will bow the knee then. Yeah. You can either be humble now and exalted later, or you can try to be exalted now and later you will be humbled. Yep. Um, so then, David. Oh, yes. How should we vote in this election? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Seth. Um, I think, I love this little phrase, but it's like, you can vote as if you're not voting. What? What does that mean? It means you can vote as if the whole world isn't on the line. Oh, yeah. It's like the whole world is not on the line no. in this election. No. Like, yeah, vote and God is on the throne. Yeah, he's got the whole world in his hands, like yes. the song we might, yes. might have learned. It's like, that's right. And it's profoundly true. Yep. And we can trust that Jesus's leadership is better than the leadership of our, mm-hmm. of our nation or any other nation, and that God's protective rod of iron is more protective than the protective rod of iron of a new president. That's I right. think that's a big fear when you go into an election. If the other person's elected, our way of life will be harmed. That's right. 
Um, untrue. Untrue. The person on the throne on earth does not determine your ultimate or even temporal outcome the same way that the Lord That's does. That's right. Your freedom is in Christ right now. Yeah. That's like right. That's right. Your religious liberties <laughs> or your personal sense of freedom to choose and determine your own lifestyle mm -hmm. doesn't rest in who's occupying a seat of power. Yep. It occupies on the one who seats on the throne yeah. in heaven. Seats I, I, in the heavens. Sits in the heavens. Yeah. I, I, I can say this now, no, remembering that this is coming out after election day, that we're releasing this after election day. Yes. I think if you ask me the question again, how should we vote? Yeah. I would say with a knee bowed to Jesus. Yeah. If you bow a knee to Jesus and say in full allegiance to him, the one who suffers for others, mm -hmm. if you can look to him and know how to vote, do it. Yeah. If you can't, don't. Like vote with a knee to Jesus and in alignment with the conscience that he gives you. Mm -hmm. Like that's vote as a servant of Jesus. You could have said that before the election. I know, but <laughs> I didn't have it formed yet. So there we go. That's my answer to your question. Um, well, guys. That was, that, I yeah. Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is on the throne. Regardless of... I know, know the election results have probably already happened. So take heart. Take heart. Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is on the throne, guys. That's right. And it might be hard. Yeah. Whatever is going to happen next. We don't know. <laughs> we, but we, the Lord... We're still in October. <laughs> we're still in October. This is like 30 years ago. This is great. <laughs> um, but he is protecting us. Yes. More powerfully than either one of the candidates could protect us. And he's attacking the enemies of God more powerfully than either one of the candidates That's would right. attack him. Yep. So take heart, Jesus on the throne. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit that gives all its resources like this podcast away for free because of supporters like you. To help Spoken Gospel in our mission to speak the gospel out of every corner of scripture and view all our free resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.